Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast for the Timberwolves' narrow win over the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to talk all about the late-game offensive struggles, why Carl Anthony Towns appears to be the right answer for who the late-game offense should run through, and also how incredible was the defense in the last possession by Minnesota, especially Anthony Edwards. We'll break the whole thing down on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And it's a victory Friday after a big Wolves win over the Nets on Thursday night. It was not pretty. Well, some of it was. Most of it was not pretty. But the result was fantastic. Minnesota ends up winning by two. We'll break the whole thing down here today on the show. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Ian. All right. Uh, so this one, the final, of course, 96 to 94. So one could assume one, one could assume this was a defensive struggle. It, it was, I think, maybe another way to look at this is that this was just the, this was the second time in four games that the Wolves scored under 100 points. They scored just 97 in the loss of the Thunder last weekend. And only the third time all year they've scored under 100 points. The only other game was the very first game of the season, the loss at Toronto. So I think the broader picture here, actually, I think there's kind of two big picture takeaways. And neither one of them are are earth shattering. But if you wanted to sum up this game with a couple of themes that we've seen for the majority of the season, the two are the Timberwolves defense is suffocating. It's fantastic. It is um, a revelation. And, and superior to every other defense in the entire NBA, and it's not close, right? That's been clear from the jump. I mean, they gave up, they had an, a horrible off night in the loss to Charlotte the other night and uh, gave up, what, 128 or something to Charlotte. And yet their defensive rating and opponent effective field goal percentage of all that stuff still stayed very clear, like in first place, uh, league-wide ranking, not even second, third, fourth place, not even close. They come into this game, and Brooklyn has actually a middle-of-the-pack offense. They're 16th in offensive rating. They've got some really talented talented offensive players, especially Mikel Bridges. Um, I, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's not having the season that he's, you know, a season like he has in the past, but he's still a talented offensive player. Cam Thomas averaging 20 points per game. Like, this is a uh, Cameron Johnson, obviously. Like, they've got some guys on this team. And Minnesota... Other than like the weird Nick Claxton stuff at the beginning of the game, and I mean, I guess ultimately what they scored thirty one in the first quarter, they scored seventeen. Brooklyn scored seventeen in the second quarter, twenty six in the third, and just twenty points in the fourth quarter. Minnesota held them to nine ninety four points on forty five percent shooting and about thirty percent from outside the arc. Also forced them into thirteen turnovers. Uh, but I want to talk more about the last possession here later. So that's number one. Number two, this clutch time offense is rough. That's also not groundbreaking, earth-shattering, whatever you want to call it. Like, we've known this, right? And it was very clunky once again in this game. I mean, Minnesota had 92 points with three minutes left, and they finished with 96 points. They scored four points over the final 
three minutes, but they won the game because their defense was suffocating on that final possession. So I want to break all that down real quick, though. Some, uh, I guess, like, uh, I guess, overarching the uh, the flow of the game the, in general here before we get to some of the more in-the-weeds topics on the end of the game. Um, overall, early in the game, the defense was not good and the offense was good. It was a complete reversal of how the Wolves closed the game. They did commit, I think, four turnovers in the first quarter, which obviously is is far too many. Sloppy stuff. But they scored 26 points in the first frame. I thought the ball movement was good. I thought the decision-making was good. Um, and hit some shots early, which was good after, you know, he's struggled with the shot here recently. But they allowed a ton of paint points for Brooklyn. I mentioned uh, Nick Claxton had a, I keep wanting to call him Speedy Claxton, which tells you what generation uh, I started, like, really following the NBA was, right? Uh, Nick Claxton, you know, made like five of his first six shots and had a crazy efficient night, was really good early. Rudy seemed just a half step slow. Um, The defense just wasn't, where it needed to be. And so the Wolves were actually down at the end of the first quarter by by four, I believe. Uh, no, sorry, they were down by seven at the end of the first quarter. But then they flipped the script in the second quarter. And they were awesome on both ends of the floor. They allowed just 17 points to the Nets, ended up just turning it over one time themselves offensively, scored 36 in the quarter, were a plus 19 in the thir- in the second quarter, and went into halftime with a, uh, with a 12-point lead. Early third quarter, Anthony Edwards was awesome, hit a bunch of really tough shots, hit some tough threes, hit an impossible banker that looked exactly like Kobe Bryant on the right side of the floor. Um, like, just stuff that we know Ant can do, and then all of a sudden the shot selection devolved for the team, not just Ant. The Ant heater put them up by 17 points at one point in the third quarter, and it felt like they could run away with it, but then the shot selection devolved. I mean, it started, Jaden McDaniels hit, you know, one of his tough, like, seven-footers that he shoots right at the edge of the paint, and he made it, but it was like, why is he shooting that shot at this point in the game on this possession? You know, why is like, it was just a weird shot. And then from there, it was like, you know, more tough contested ant shots, forced passes, turnovers, but it was really more shot selection than anything else. Uh, Nas just didn't have a very good game. He had some bad, bad attempts in there. And by the time the third quarter ended, it was only a seven point game. Minnesota had been up 12 at the halftime, 17 early, early mid third quarter, and then by the end of the third, it was only a seven-point game. And then fourth quarter, it just like the Nets kind of slowly creeped closer and and slowly crept closer, and it got down to crunch time. And this is where the Wolves had been getting tight here recently, right? I mean, like they obviously did not close well in Charlotte. Um, we are against Charlotte at home, I should say. And you know, last time out was was touch and go there for a little while before they put the Wizards away. But, you know, it was kind of the same thing where the Wizards just kind of lingered. And that was what the fourth quarter felt like here. And and overall, the Wolves defense was good throughout. Obviously, we talked about that already. Um, but it was the offensive execution that was extremely clunky. And, and Ant never really found his shot after he had that big, um, the big third quarter. Uh, I don't know. He made a couple of shots in the fourth quarter. I know we went to the line, but like, the fourth quarter scoring, like I'm just kind of scrolling through it right here. I don't, did anybody besides, um, yeah, no, Ant didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was all Cat, a little bit of Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and the Rudy dunk off of the Cat lob that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, it, there was no Ant in the fourth quarter, but I mean, that's not to say he didn't try, right? He forced a couple of shots. We'll talk more about uh, about that here in a minute. So what I want to get into next, though, is, is exactly that. It's the late game offense 
it's it's the offense running through Carl Anthony Towns instead of Ant. Not all the time. I know this is controversial to say this. It shouldn't be, and I'll talk about why. And and this is probably a topic for another show because I think um I, I do think it's a legitimate debate and I feel pretty strongly about it. Uh but I you know, I, I think it's worth unpacking a bit more. But specifically to this game which I think was a pretty good window into the bigger picture. I want to talk about the late game offense running through Cat. I also want to talk about how incredible Ant was specifically on and, and the team as a whole, but on that final Brooklyn offensive possession. So I want to cover that too before we get to individual studs and duds. Uh, we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I'm going to pick Marvin Bagley the third. I know that initially Josh had picked him a week or so ago because of the injury to Daniel Gafford and Gafford's back. But Bagley, you know, first couple games with the Wizards was fantastic. He was pretty quiet against the Wolves, but we know he can put up numbers. Uh, He can put up points and boards if he gets the opportunity. Bagley still has a shot to force his way into uh, consistent, obviously he has rotation minutes, but more consistent, heavier minutes um, for his new team here in the short term. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. My first car was a 95 Mercury Tracer. I loved it. I wish I'd taken better care of it. I probably was a little bit young to take great care of it. But I'm pretty sure if eBay Motors had existed, then I would have done a better job. Would have at least... Um, I wouldn't have allowed uh, it to get so run down so quickly. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, uh, late in the game, the Timberwolves were up by, I think they're up four. Yeah, so the Wolves are up. Uh, well, actually, let's do that. Yeah, so the Wolves are up four with four minutes to play. And the offense had been clunky. Cat had just turned it over a couple of times. Um, and they come down. Carl Anthony Towns misses a floater, basically, in the lane. Um, not, uh, well, actually, first, on that same possession, the Timberwolves got a rebound and Spencer Dinwiddie got called for loose ball foul of the rebound. Then Cat misses a shot. The Nets come down and score. It's a two-point game with three and a half minutes left. The Wolves come down. Jaden takes something of an ill-advised shot and misses it. But Carl Anthony Towns gets the rebound and the put well, misses the putback, but gets fouled, makes one of two at the line. So the Wolves are now up three. They get called for a, a bogus three-second call on the defensive end. Rudy had cleansed at the free-throw line, just above the free-throw line. It was like two and a quarter seconds was called for defensive three seconds. Uh, but they still get a stop on the Nets. On the other end, Cat just takes it straight in and scores, makes this a four-point game. 
Back on the other end, it's back. It's now a tie game after a couple of possessions, by the way. Uh, or, or I should say, Bridges makes a shot. Ant hits. Ant decides to shoot a tough step back from the corner. It, it was a. It didn't make any sense. Actually, let me rewind a little bit. I, I, I did this kind of disjointedly. So on the play where Cat made that layup, um, I, I you know I I need to rewatch the play. I don't think there was a play call. I think it was basically Cat has the ball essentially like a like a middle of the floor, almost like a middle of the floor post up for Cat. Uh, I think it really was actually thinking back on it. And it was basically, hey, clear out, let Cat do what he wants to do. Cat almost had a three-pointer, but pump faked, drove all the way to the... No, this wasn't even a post-up. He just had the ball outside the arc. He looked like he was going to shoot the three, jab-stepped, and then drove all the way in, made the bucket, a tough bucket to put them up four. Okay, so that possession ran entirely through Cat. Ant got him the ball and got out of the way. The Nets come down, make a tough shot. The Wolves come down, they clear out for Ant, and Ant dribbles himself, got the ball in a similar place on the floor that Cat did the possession before, and for whatever reason, dribbled himself into the corner and shot a step-back corner three, which is, like, how often do you see anybody try a step-back corner three in an ISO situation? And he missed it. Nets get the ball, come down, tough call on Rudy, uh, and Cam Thomas makes a pair of free throws. It's now a tie game with a minute left, Wolves-Nets. This is not a game that should be tied with one minute to play. The Wolves come down, they run a, a play that actually has Cat with the ball in his hands and Rudy diving to the rim. Cat takes a few dribbles, looks like he's going to take his man to the basket, but shows the playmaking chops that we've always known Cat has and has shown itself or has shown up a little bit more in his game last year and this year, even though the assist rate is down this year um, and the turnover rate's up a little bit. Last year and this year, Cat has been a more willing passer and a less, I'll just say less crazy passer, right? Like, we're not seeing those underhand softball passes from one, you know, the low post on the left side of the floor to the right corner, right? Like he's not doing that stuff anymore. He did have a couple terrible passes in this game. It, there was one lob that wasn't even close, but this was a perfect lob pass in the perfect situation when everyone's expecting him to put his head down and go to the rim. He starts to do that, but when he knows that Rudy's available to throw him the lob, he throws a perfect pass. Rudy slams it home. The Wolves go up two. And then on the other end, actually, Cat gets a big defensive rebound. The Wolves come down and Ant in isolation, shoots another tough pull-up jumper. The Nets get the ball, call a timeout, and then it comes down to this defensive possession at the end that I want to talk about in a second. So the first point, I'm not at all saying Carl Anthony Towns is, like, this isn't what I'm saying. This is another debate we could have, certainly, and I'd be happy to uh, to 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 parse this with somebody, with anybody. Um, I'm not saying Carl Anthony Towns is a better player than Anthony Edwards. I'm not saying he's a better isolation player than Anthony Edwards. I'm not saying he's more clutch than Anthony Edwards. What I'm saying is that the Timberwolves should run their late game crunch time offense through Carl Anthony Towns. Okay? Right now, Cat is a, I would say, a better playmaker than Anthony Edwards. His decision making, I know the turnovers weren't great the last couple games, but the decision making of when to pass and when to shoot and I dare to, I dare, dare I say self-awareness of Carl Anthony Towns, which is one of his weaknesses, self-awareness in terms of what am I doing with the basketball in my hands, right? I know he got called for a couple offensive fouls in this game. One of them was a bad call. Uh, the other one, I think he probably deserved uh, the one where he, he pinned, I think it was Dinwiddie's arm against him. That should have been, an, it was an offensive foul. Um, but overall, there's been a lot of progress there. And Ant's decision-making lately awareness of when to shoot, when to pass, who to pass to in those situations has been bad. It just hasn't been good for the last few weeks. 
I'm painting with broad strokes here, admittedly. But Carl Anthony Towns, like in any situation, is a more efficient scorer than Anthony Edwards. And I'm not even going to spend more than 10 seconds on that because it's not it's inarguable. Effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, three-point percentage, field goal percentage, uh, um, free throw percentage, any percentage, any percentage you want to use. The turnover rates are basically identical. Katz is a tick higher than Anthony Edwards. They're They're pretty much the same. And Ant's assist rate is higher because he initiates so much more offense than Cat. But in close late game situations, you can also put Cat anywhere on the floor. You could post him up. They never do this, but you could put him in the low post. You could put him in the high post. You could put him at the nail. You could put him outside the arc. You could have him with the ball in his hands. You could put Cat anywhere on the floor and run Ant off of that action. I'm not saying Ant shouldn't touch the ball. I'm saying, you know, Ant can get you into the offense like he did actually on the possession where Cat hit the tough layup in traffic to put the Wolves up by a bucket. Ant can bring the ball up the floor. The defense is going to be keyed up to stop him. Get the ball to Cat. Make the defense choose. What are we going to do? Are we going to double Cat on the catch? Are we going to double him on the drive? Are you? Are they going to give the ball to him outside the perimeter like they did in, or on the perimeter like they did in this game where you can't really try and double him there? And if they do, guess what? A lob to Rudy, a pass to Ant for a spot up three or a drive, a pass to Conley for a spot up three. Jade make like the options are pretty endless at that point. And worst case scenario, you have a guy who um, is just all around a better shooter than Anthony Edwards with the ball in his hands, right? And also, like, I don't, I don't want to turn that. Like, I, I love Anthony Edwards, and he's obviously an incredible talent, and and this is his team. It just is, right? But he's been having a lot of lost ball turnovers where he just dribbles the ball off his foot or gets it taken from him. It happened again in this game. Like, he's averaging. This is this is entirely unscientific, but I promise you he's averaging one and a half of these like just losing the handle turnovers a game. And that doesn't happen when Cap puts the ball on the floor because he's just straight line driving, right? Or he's backing somebody down. He might get an offensive foul call, but late in the game, you're not probably going to get that call either. So for all of those reasons, I just run the offense through Cat down the stretch. That's obviously oversimplifying it. And you know, I talked to somebody on Twitter with this about this right before recording. Like, obviously, play calls are better than no play calls. And they there was a play call on that set where Gobert gets the lob pass from Cat. That was a design set. That's always better. And I it always floors me when teams, including the Wolves, call a timeout late in games. And the Wolves didn't do that here. But call a timeout late in games or have a timeout that the other team calls. And they have time to draw something up. And they just flatten out and go ISO. I just don't get it. You know, there's some situations where that might make a little bit of sense. Depend, you know, if it's if it's if it's somebody who's that good of an ISO player, and you could argue to do that with Ant, but like, that's your fallback, right? If if the action doesn't work, you can fall back to isolation, and that's where a guy like Ant is such a luxury to have late in games. But that shouldn't be your first move. And the offense should be running through Carl Anthony Towns late in games because of all of those reasons. I don't think there's any question about it. And I'm not, they're like, I don't know. I shouldn't have to defend this anymore. I Like, Anthony Edwards is an incredible isolation player, and that's always, like, I guess this is another way of saying what I just said. That's always going to be there. You can always get that ISO for Ant. But right now, we can't trust his decision-making when teams bring doubles and triples. And, and and if anybody wants to, like, you know, bring up Charlotte, I saw people saying on Twitter, oh, Cat went one on four. It wasn't one on four when he turned and went to the basket. By the time they had a bunch of guys on him, he had already been fouled once and was in the process of getting fouled a second time per the league's last two-minute report. And there weren't clear passing lanes. There might have been a kick out. I think it was Jaden in the right corner on that play against Charlotte. That would have been a really good pass. 
right? I think Cat in general, his decision making is superior, and in those situations, like start there. And if it ends up with an ant, if it if it ends up with an ant ISO, fine. There's a lot worse things that can happen. But you know, it's better than just a strict ISO with ant shooting a fallaway jumper. Is Cat with the ball in his hands, attacking a closeout, or you know, uh, punishing a switch, right? Which we saw him do quite a bit early in this game. All right. Next, I do want to get into the defense at the end. I have to give credit where credit is due to the Timberwolves as a team. I've complained enough about the offense. The defense was great. It was awesome. Ant was fantastic. All of it was great at the end of the game. Uh, Rudy was very good. I want to break all that down next, and then we'll do individual studs and duds, and that's how we'll close out the show here today. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Grammarly. When it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. Now, for over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you can trust to help you across all the places that you write the most. Now, Grammarly helps you do even more. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with suggestions based on your context and goals so you can improve productivity for you and your teams. I use Grammarly. Actually, when I do the graphics for the show, use Grammarly uh, when I'm writing anything, frankly, emails, et cetera, and it's awesome. Uh, Also, If you're stuck with writing at work, Grammarly can help you get started with ideas, outlines, and even tips. If I'm writing an outline sometimes for a show, like that's also helpful. Uh, You can get a prompt from Grammarly, you know, give me 10 possible taglines for a video thumbnail or whatever that might be, and Grammarly can help you out with it. If you have a big presentation coming up, let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. Need to draft an important email and don't know where to start? Grammarly has suggestions to jumpstart your writing. The best part is that it is absolutely free to use. Start being more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free today. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. All right, let's talk defense at the end of the game. The Wolves were only up by two, and Brooklyn called a timeout. This was after the Ant miss. The Nets called timeout with 25 seconds left. So effectively, uh, you know, they're looking to get a shot, usually in that situation. You want to run it, you know, a little bit down so you're not, uh, I mean, you want to run the clock a little bit because you don't want to score with 22 seconds left and give the Wolves all that time to win the game, right? But you also want to give yourself, if you're the Nets, time for an offensive rebound. So you want to run a little bit of clock, get a shot up with some time left on the clock. And they couldn't get a shot off. They inbounded the ball. um, And Anthony Edwards was guarding Mikel Bridges and simply did not let him get past him. It was incredible. He, the way he moved his feet was an absolute clinic, and I wish I could show it to every single youth basketball player. Um, Ant's hands got a little bit involved to the point where I was, I was a little nervous. They, you know, um, we've seen Ant get called for fouls when he's being aggressive, but at that stage in the game and the way he was moving his feet, and at times he was, he was clearly trying to show his hands, right? Move your feet, show your hands. And he never really reached a little bit right at the end of, of it was like a 10 second stretch where he just moved his feet, guarded bridges across the floor. It was almost like a defensive gauntlet drill that you see um, in like basketball camps and stuff. It was incredible. And then when Bridges, they tried to set a screen for him on the left side of the floor, right in front of the Wolves bench, and Rudy came out and stunted, and they briefly trapped, but then Rudy recovered to guard the roller. It was just a perfect, perfectly timed um, stunt and, and kind of mini trap from Rudy and Ant, and then Ant just stuck right with it all the way back to the other side of the floor. Like, like It was like a gauntlet drill, like to one side and back to the other side, and then eventually the ball gets knocked out of bounds. Uh, Conley pokes it out of bounds and the Nets call another timeout because they still had one left and why not call it at that point with seven seconds left and I think they had like five on the shot, four on the shot clock. And, uh, you know, they they still didn't get a good shot off. Um, 
Jane McDaniels ended up on Mikel Bridges in this case, and Bridges lost the ball on the way up, picked it up, and then knew that McDaniels had stepped up to try and contest a shot. So he just leaned into him and allowed kind of McDaniels momentum and the lean from Bridges made him lose the ball again. It, tough foul call, letter of the law, and like that situation. If you're the Wolves you you know on offense, you'd want that call. I understand why it was called a foul. It's a tough one for McDaniels. Um, but Bridges misses the first free throw and then, of course, has to miss the second one uh, on purpose. They ended up calling a, a lane violation on Bridges, which I actually thought was a bad call. Um, but either way, I don't think the Nets would have gotten that rebound. Um, so Wolves end up winning by two. The defense on the last possession, specifically by Ant, but passing it off briefly to Rudy and then also calmly poking the ball out of bounds, like across the board, it was an incredible defensive possession and an absolute clinic. Talked about this already, but the Wolves held Brooklyn to 30% shooting from three. And Dinwiddie was really the only one hurt them, that hurt them there. And he hit one like, actually, I was making fun of Ant's step back three earlier. Dinwiddie had a step back three over Cat in the corner. That was crazy. Like, he's not that good of a three-point shooter. He's like 33% of the year or something like that. Um, they did a good job on Bridges. Took Bridges 18 shots to get 21 points. He was only two of eight outside the arc, three turnovers, and just three assists for Mikel Bridges. Claxton was the only one that like weirdly had a good game. Kim Thomas was good too, uh, but he also turned it over five times. Like I thought overall, uh, the Wolves defensively were were very good in this game, and especially down the stretch. Props to Ants, props to Rudy. Uh, you know, Rudy allowed Claxton to do some stuff, but I thought did an okay job otherwise in the paint. I mean, the Wolves still ended up, uh, what were they, a plus... Uh, plus eight in points in the paint uh, in this game and only allowed five offensive rebounds. So in general, they did a pretty good job controlling the paint. All right, real quick, individual studs and duds from this one. For the Wolves, Carl Thitty Towns, 27 points, 12 of 15 shooting. I don't care about six turnovers if you're only going to miss three shots and score 27 points. And the crazy thing is he only attempted two free throws in this game. 27 points on 15 shots with only two attempted free throws. And it was off an offensive rebound, too, by the way. It wasn't any of his straight line drives. He only shot three threes. So if Charles Barkley looks at this box score and says, you know, how did he only attempt two free throws? Well, you know, look at the three, look at the number of three pointers. He attempted 12 twos in this game and only got to the line one time. And it was off of his only offensive rebound. So a good game from Cat. He persevered, persevered well in this game. 27 and 10, three assists. He did have the six turnovers, but he was really good. Uh, Rudy Gobert, um, nah, I'm not going to give him a stud. I, uh, I, yeah, no, no. We'll talk about we'll talk more about that here in a second. Ant, I, I'm still going to give him a stud. I know that the shooting was bad, and I already talked about the shot selection not being good. But that flurry in the third quarter that gave the Wolves some breathing room, it turned out to be important, and just his gravity too helped Cat. Like, it helped open the floor up a little bit. And that's, you know, the whole thing with having two guys like this is that teams have to consider doubling both of them. And so Ant got it going, and they were so worried about him. It opened things up a little bit for other players. You know, 23 shots to get 24 points, that's not efficient. But, you know, other than a few of those those shots, like, and then also the defense at the end, like the combination of his third early third quarter performance and the defense that Ant played at the end, Absolutely, he deserves a stud for this game. 24 points on 8 of 23 shooting, 3 of 7 outside the arc, 5 of 6 on free throws, only one rebound in 36 minutes, which is gross. 3 assists, 1 steal, 3 turnovers for Ant. But again, defense matters too. It's not just a box score award um, you know, for, for Ant in this one. Uh, my last stud's going to go to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, 
only 17 minutes off the bench. He's been playing a little bit less lately, but I thought he was vital to this win. Six points, four assists, no turnovers in this game. Hit a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter um, down the stretch. I mentioned earlier, it was only him and Cat, and then that Rudy Dunk. That's like all the scoring the Wolves did in the fourth quarter. They only had 15 points. But Alexander Walker came up big late, and defensively, again, the Wolves were good. He was a big part of it when he was on the floor. Um, I thought Rudy overall played okay. I mentioned earlier, first quarter, Claxton kind of had his way, but on the glass late, Rudy was very good. Defensively late, he was very good. 10 points, 13 rebounds, just four of nine shooting, and only two free throw attempts for Rudy. He did make them both, though. Uh, a couple of blocks in this game. Um, Jaden was good as well. Conley was solid. I don't really have any duds for this game either. I didn't last game. I don't this game. I mentioned Nas didn't play all that well. I think this, is, this game's a pretty good example of how uh, I, I've gotten crap from people for for always prefacing listing single game plus minus by saying I don't like it, but then I still list it a lot of the time because I think it can help tell a story. But in the example of this game, the Wolves' best plus minus was Nas Reed. He was not their best player tonight. Like, you could make the argument, Nas had the roughest game of anybody on the roster. Uh, he had five points, four rebounds, two assists, uh, two of seven overall from the floor, one of three from outside the arc. He kind of salvaged things a little bit with that late three that he had. Uh, but I thought defensively he was a little slow. Uh, he got called for three fouls in those 23 minutes and fumbled the ball a couple of times, missed a couple of layups. Like, it just, you know, he was fine. Like, again, no duds for this game. Clearly, I want to be clear about that. But uh, I thought it was more a function of some of the guys he was playing with that played better. Like he was part of that bench lineup that included McLaughlin and and partial bench lineup with McLaughlin with Gobert at the five. So Nas at the four, Gobert at the five, McLaughlin running the offense. I think Anderson was Anderson and McDaniels both kind of got some run in that lineup too. And then also some minutes that where Conley and McLaughlin shared the floor. Um, they did that for uh, you know, a couple of minutes in this game, and and those minutes were good too. So. Across the board, a strong win for Minnesota. I know Brooklyn's not great, and they've struggled mightily here lately, but they've still got some scorers. It was still a back-to-back on the road, and uh, I think we have to, um, you know, we have to, like, it's tough to win on the road. It's tough to win back-to-backs. It's tough to win, period, in the NBA. This was a fine win for Minnesota. Now they get the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are still the, I guess now they're the, third worst team in the league. I think Charlotte actually has less wins than them. This is only the third time the Wolves have seen the Spurs this year, even though it feels like it's already the fourth. Um, remember, Minnesota's kind of had a tough time. They've won each game. The first game, they won by seven. The second game, they won by eight against San Antonio. Um, San Antonio did win a couple nights ago. Yeah, they won at Washington pretty recently here. Uh, but overall, they've lost six out of seven. Uh, before that stretch, they beat Charlotte and they won at Detroit. So the only teams that they're beating are the other terrible teams, right? The Wizards, who are the fourth worst team in the league, the Hornets, who are the second worst, the Pistons, who are the worst. Those are the only teams they've beaten. You have to go back uh, to a Trailblazers game like a month ago, a little over a month ago that they won uh, when they split a pair of games in Portland. So um, obviously a game the Wolves should win. And, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into the matchup here today, but I, you know, of course, Wembenyama's who you got to look out for. Um, you know, rebound the basketball, force them into jumpers. They're not a good shooting team. They do turn it over a lot, so good opportunity to uh, to get some extra possessions that way as well. There's no line yet um, that I'm seeing because over at FanDuel because the Spurs still play here tonight, and also I guess now we're talking about two days from now. Um, so no line yet at FanDuel, but I would imagine that the Wolves will be. Um, I don't know. 
maybe not double, yeah, probably double digit favorites, right? Like nine point favorites maybe in this game, nine or 10, um, something like that. Anyway, we'll have the live postcast at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel on YouTube. And then of course that will post here to this feed, Lockdown Wolves, wherever you listen to your audio podcast. I'll be back on Monday. It'll be kind of a hybrid uh, we'll talk about Saturday's game against the Spurs. We'll also preview Monday's game against the OKC Thunder. The fourth and final regular season matchup between the Wolves and Thunder. A big one. If they lose, OKC gets the tiebreaker. If they win, you know, they'll have split the season series with OKC. And sitting here right now at this moment, the Wolves are a half game up on OKC in the West. Although, um, as I'm recording this, OKC and the Pelicans, I guess they play Friday night. So the Wolves are a half game up in the Western Conference as of right now. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll, of course, revisit that on Monday. So that's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube and also on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow at X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.